0: It's time to start the podcast. It's time to hit the mics. It's time to start the podcast with Moon, P. Jug and Hobbs. Okay, this is episode 19 of Moon, P. Jug and Hobbs. Today, P. Jug is out. She's pulling a Simone Biles. She wants a mental health day. (laughs) And, you know, I think last week, I think we all talked about the fact that since we've been married... She accused me of causing hypertension. While we start this podcast, I'll have to alert you to the fact that there is a fly in my room. He flies right at me like the blue angels, right? (laughs) And the thing is just relentless. No matter what I swat it with, it's faster than I am. Uh, Also, we have another guest on the show today and our guest list has been fantastic. Uh, Today, we actually had commitments from both Barack Obama and Donald Trump. But at the last second, I get this phone call and they say they're out. And I'm thinking, now what? We're an hour before showtime. And this is a critical part of this podcast history because if we go downhill okay. uh, after all that we've achieved, it could ruin our forward motion. Yeah. And then how are we going to get listeners? How is this podcast going to grow? People are supposed to share it and like it. I think it's starting to happen, but it should have a long time ago.
1: <laughs> the only reason why this show has any momentum is because we are actively going downhill
0: at all times.
1: <laughs> That's <And> right. right. <laughs> it's <laughs> pushing uh, us through. and great guests.
0: Yes, and great guests. Do up. you remember the last guest we had? Do you remember
1: a darkness guy?
0: No, it was Stevie Ray from Stevie Ray's Well, improv. Stevie
1: Ray, of course, Stevie Ray. Yeah, Stevie Ray. And then I was thinking of the Darkness Radio guy before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Stevie Ray was last week. He was a lot of fun.
0: And, and he was. And the uh, Darkness Radio guy is into the paranormal and all that. Yeah. And then the week before that, we had the Survivor guy yep. that got bit by a critter and had to be airlifted off. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's a wide variety of topics. People on the show have all different kinds of backgrounds. Let's welcome to episode 19 Abby Cullseth. Hey, Abby. Hello. And you know, what's kind of weird is Abby had a link to Hobbs Uh, as this conversation, as we first came on the air started, uh, you know, Abby says to Hobbs, oh, wait a minute, you know, someone I know. And then the name Big Mike comes up and I'm thinking, who the hell is Big Mike? Can you explain?
1: Big Mike from Subway. Apparently, Abby is married to Big Mike from Subway. And Big Mike from Subway, I got to know because he was a, a real active listener at a radio station I worked at before I worked uh, for you, Moon B ninety six, the hip hop station in town. He's a good dude.
0: Do you ever get sick of eating Subway?
1: Uh,
2: sometimes,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always used to get the biggest kick out of the fact that people would ask me. So, do you listen to KS ninety five when you're not working? And I'm thinking, okay, does a McDonald's guy always eat at McDonald's? No, right? <laughs> oh, you got to have Subway once in a while. And, you know, Subway has been brilliant in their promotional efforts. Uh, if you take a look at the number of actual franchises, if I'm not mistaken, Subway is number one for numbers of franchises. They're everywhere. and uh, And we can talk more about food later. Because you know me, if if it were up to me, I mean, we've already discussed off the air that we're having stuffed pork chops tonight.
1: This is why we shouldn't record her on mealtime. Abby, this <laughs> happens every week. It's either he wants to talk about his dinner, the meal he just had, the meal he's going to have. Yeah.
0: Or my urethra.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, or his medical, his recent medical diagnoses. Yeah. Which are, yeah. are It happens.
0: Well, you know what the latest is? You want the latest? No, like, I don't. But want- okay.
1: Yes. <laughs> Go on. What now?
0: Real quickly. I had one of those sleep tests done. Oh. Okay. And uh, I get the results back from this doctor that I thought was brilliant. She was super smart. I could tell. And I'd had three other sleep tests. She said, well, I hate to inform you, you have severe sleep apnea. And I said, okay, don't try to come at me with one of those masks right? Because the CPAP and I don't like each other. Been there, done that. That's why I got the dental devices, which protrude your jaw out. So it then forces you to breathe through your nose. This is all in the podcast. Yeah, It's it's all in the podcast, right? Why would
1: would PJUG need a mental break from this conversation at all? I Can I get the day off too? Okay. So your jaw is protruding. protruding.
0: Yeah, Yeah. My jaw is protruding. Okay. Well, then the doctor says, well, it's not protruding enough. And I think you're even past all of that. My oxygen level has been in the mid-60s.
1: That's not good, is it?
0: Well, they say that 90 is like supposed to be the bottom. Abby, our guest, knows a lot about uh, the consumption of drugs, of alcohol. She also understands very well depression and mental health. And what she's done is she's actually written a book called Embrace Your Recovery. The Cycles of Addiction and Mental Health. Everybody that I know in their family has either mental health issues could be depression, could be schizophrenia, could be who knows what Uh, also addiction. I don't know of a family that doesn't have some kind of, uh, you know, baggage or if that's what you want to call it emotionally or chemically or whatever, spiritually, you know, Abby went through a lot. And as I read her book, it's all in poem form. So she took her feelings and she spilled them out on paper. And as I read it, it took me back to times when I was in the same boat, a dangerous time in both of our lives. It's amazing. We're both still here and we can get into my story a little bit later, but when did you decide I've hit the bottom? Something's got to change.
2: When I was really deep in my addiction, about four years ago, and I was um, using, you know, meth and cocaine and weed and alcohol whenever I could, and I got really careless. I got very careless. I would be on my way to work, and I wouldn't be able to find my paraphernalia, and I I'm like, where is it? Where is it? And I get a picture from my husband where he sent me the picture of my paraphernalia that was sitting next to my son's backpack. That broke my heart, and so during my lunch break, I go home to grab my paraphernalia and of course, it's not there anymore. Um, but that was one of my, my breaking points. The other breaking point was when my husband threw my dope at me and I, and then he told me to give it back to him. And I said, no, And I was, I was uh, protecting it as if it was my bear cub. And that's when I realized something's wrong here. This, this isn't right. So that's when I called my boss and I told her I need to meet up with her and I told her that I need to, uh, I told her I relapsed because at the time I worked at a treatment facility and um, so I told her that I relapsed. And then I called my friend who is an interventionist and she helped me get into treatment uh, a week later.
0: The time I hit bottom, I'll just be honest about it. I had a pretty major cocaine addiction and uh, you know, cocaine is not enough. You have to drink and do other drugs on top of it, because there is no level of adequate when you're an addict. They used to call me the garbage pail kid uh, when I went into treatment, because they said, what's your drug of choice? And I said, anyone with a vowel. I would do things like decide at five o'clock in the afternoon that I wanted to be in Las Vegas by eight o'clock at night. I'd go to the airport. I'd pay whatever, just to go because I knew I had friends that could hook me up when I got to Vegas and uh, I could go gamble and all that stuff. And uh, a friend of mine hit a $6,000 keynote ticket. She gave me a thousand dollars. You know, I didn't use mine for gambling. I made a call, got in a cab off. I went bought a whole bunch of blow and uh, eventually ended up back in Denver. The next day I had to go to work. I continued, you know, what I had purchased And the next thing you know, I'm at a friend's house. I pulled a knife on him. I broke his camera. I threw a camera at him. And I tried to find my way home and I couldn't get it. I couldn't find my way home. And when I got there, my uh, now uh, ex-wife, my first ex-wife, had all of my stuff on the yard, thrown out in the yard. And the thing about it was when I tried to pull my car into the driveway, I didn't hit the driveway. I hit the yard. And I was running over my own stuff. She goes, treatment or I'm out of here. And I said, let's go. And uh, I spent a month and uh, it was the best month that saved my life. And after all the aftercare, went to aftercare after that, and then went to AA and NA, a lot, a lot. Started sponsoring people, sharing the, sharing the wealth, man. It was great. And working with others is what keeps you sober. You always got to keep that in mind. And then when Abby and I talked first, you know, we started talking about my use of marijuana I am a medical marijuana patient. Uh, I feel that my sobriety is down the crapper because if I were sponsoring somebody, I wouldn't say, no, it's okay to smoke weed. You you can't do that. That ain't right. Right. As it was intended for medical purposes. Yeah, I don't know where I'd be without it. I'd be horribly depressed. I can tell you that. Not depressed right now. I feel great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the
0: mixed message there, Moon. Yeah, yeah.
1: right. <laughs> I, mean, I would tell other people don't do it, but for me, it's like <laughs> that's what you're kind of saying. Who is I yeah. say not
2: as I do? I don't I don't think necessarily that medical marijuana is a relapse or is um, you're not sober because it's used for medical purposes and you're not using it irresponsibly. But I mean, also, you know, like you said, you're not going to also go out there and be like, hey, you know, you can't do it, but I can. But it's but if they're using it responsibly, it's like Suboxone. People use Suboxone to stay off, you know, heroin and and are, you know, but they're sober and they're clean. So mean, same thing goes for you.
0: I remember the last time I came close to taking a drink. I was in Austin, Texas. Actually, it was Fredericksburg, Texas. And I went to a bar to watch a football game. I ordered a virgin pina colada and it had Bacardi in it. I didn't know it. And I take that first big pull and I'm ready because I'm thirsty and it's Texas hot. It was like gasoline in my mouth and I spit it out and I left the place and I went back to my, you know, my B and B and I'm just like, Oh my God, I was this close to taking a drink. Now, would that have set me into full relapse? Probably not. When I worked the steps, which is what you got to do to get clean, I had an amazing sponsor who worked with me at the radio station. I didn't know he was in the program. And I just spiraled downhill, and he never said a word. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he liked watching me spin. Uh, Eventually, after getting out of treatment, I went to a meeting. There's this guy I've worked with for seven years sitting in the meeting. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? He's like, "Waiting for you. (laughs) Some of the things he said in in meetings were so profound. And some of the experiences that he shared were so amazing. Uh, A lot of them, you know, stories of, you know, crash and burn, but a lot of them of hope and promise. I'm so glad. And we're still Facebook friends. His name is Tim. He's an AA, so I won't say his last name. Is I was Kenny. just going to
1: say, you're not supposed to say anything about the name. If <laughs> AA. It's anonymous. Yeah.
0: yeah totally <laughs> anonymous.
1: anonymous to <laughs>
0: well, you know, and that was one of the things that I found, uh, you know, being on the radio and then going to AA meetings, people might recognize you from a billboard you're on
1: Yeah,
0: or, you know, or, or maybe they saw you on a website or a van or whatever. And then I'm thinking, you know, that you gotta keep it anonymous because if you're Charlie Sheen, for example, and you're going to go to an AA meeting, you're probably going to get recognized. Yeah, uh, a lot of times there's probably a maybe there's a rich guy AA or I think whatever. There is
1: celebrity stuff. I mean, I think that really, there, I, th- I think that there is. Well, there was. You know, did you ever watch that television show Celebrity Rehab, which I thought was fascinating?
0: But I did watch a little of it. It was pretty cool.
1: I think they got people to handle that. They probably got their own guru. And you yeah. probably have small group, and it's just other people. Yeah, like you just have to send in like a profit and loss statement for the year, and, and uh-huh. get accepted, and make sure you're make sure you're okay.
0: So, Hobbs, tell us about addiction and uh, mental health in your family. You got some?
1: Oh my god, well, I have it all. Uh, my well, my brother, my brother is uh, schizophrenic. He would go through long periods of sobriety, but because of his diagnosis, he's on some pretty heavy duty drugs. As far as managing his schizophrenia and that, well, when he's clean and sober, he's great. But when he when he'll you know every once in a while he will go off the rails, and then I get you know death threats on Facebook and stuff like that. And he honestly doesn't remember doing it. I believe him. You know, when he sobers up, he's like, I didn't even realize I I said any of that stuff. And it's like, so. I have have really struggled with depression for like forever. Depression is one of those things where I've tried to do the antidepressants and all that stuff. It does not, it doesn't seem to work for me all that terribly well. Mostly they make me angry, which is kind of, kind of. That's not good. No, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. I go on them every once in a while when I feel like I need it. And then when I feel like I don't, and I talk to the doctor and say, is it, is it cool for me to come off and. Um, last time I was on him was, uh, right after my divorce, which is about four years ago, but
0: I was with you at, when you were getting divorced. You remember yeah. that?
1: Yes, I do. I yeah. do. And I, you were, you were my rock. You were my saint. Cause I was losing it.
0: Tough time, man. Well, guess who had a lot of experience with well, that?
1: <laughs> that's what I know. He's like, here, he's like, sit down, get a piece of paper. You know, yeah. You know, okay. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta talk to the lawyer. You gotta do this.
0: I remember going to a twins thing and Joe Maurer was there and so I, I say to Joe, he's gonna get married. Mm-hmm. I said, "Yo, Joe," I said, "Congratulations! It's in the paper. You're getting married. Then you're moving to Florida. Good for you." I said, "If you ever need a marriage counselor, I'm your guy." Right? <laughs> and he's like, "How many times you been married?" I said, "Less than Dave Doll. How about oh, that?" <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> you're always throwing, t- but you, but now it's you guys are tied.
0: So let's get back to uh, working the steps. There are twelve of them in this big book or, or all the books that are about 12 step programs, you can change out some of the verbiage, but in the, you know, to cut to the to chase, uh, basically you admit you're powerless over something and you need some help with it. So you can go to a higher power. And a lot of people, you know, when you're in rehab, there's not a lot of religious people really hanging out. Right. Most of them had a, at a pretty hard road. So they not maybe believe in a God or whatever. And, you know, you kind of, after a few days, hear enough stories that sound so much like your own, that you you start to believe that the people in the group may have something that you don't. And that's sobriety. <laughs> and so eventually you find the ones you wanna hang out with. This guy, Tim, when we work the steps together and part of this is making a list of all you've harmed, all the people you've harmed and what you've done. And then you have to go back and be willing to make amends so I put my list together and I got to sit down and tell a guy that I work with all of these things, horrible things that I did, at least horrible in my eyes, uh, just I wrong so many people and you have to try to go back and, and find them and address the issue. And when I reached out to all these people to try to ask, you know, how can I make this right? How are we going to work through this? I was always... You know, basically graced with people who were forgiving, and they knew that I'd been struggling, and they thought, you know, something, give the guy a chance, and that's what happened. And you know, I think there was one woman that I may have impregnated. What?
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, there might be but, another moon we don't know about. Well, have you done? Uh, have you done an ancestry?
0: No, I haven't. But I, <laughs> I wonder why not. <laughs> there was some communication on Facebook. Uh but no accusations were were thrown out there, so I'm just gonna leave it be <laughs>
1: so you did an amend to that person well the but you didn't but you didn't want to bother to find out if it was your child
0: <laughs> I didn't want to pay child like
1: full no it
0: was it was an attempt, and you know it was accepted okay and i and I think at that point wouldn't it have been brought up, but it was one of those nights where I didn't know what happened. Working the steps and admitting your faults to another human being, uh, the deepest, darkest thing is almost like letting air out of a balloon that's ready to burst, okay? And, uh, you know, a sense of calm, you know, will come along with doing these things that they recommend in the steps. And eventually, to tell you how uh, close I was to the sponsor that kept me out of so much trouble, he actually did his list with me. And I was, like, blown away that this guy that I had this image of, you know, actually went into that kind of a darkness in his life, Hmm. right? Because he went way deep into some crazy crap. Now, when you're writing these uh, chapters, they Hmm. all have, you know, titles, each page or each chapter, Hmm. and you can kind of walk along Abby's uh, path to – Uh, that one year of sobriety and then that 18 months of sobriety. And, you know, then I'm thinking, how's she going to rhyme the word shit? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's in there a few times. And I think there's an F-bomb or two as well. Oh yeah. How long does it take to do that? How many years uh, as you walk through the path of, you know, sobriety, to write something like that and then get it out there for the public to consume.
2: Um, Well, I started writing um, the poems probably it was before I went to treatment and it was, they're kind of dark because they, you can like the one about my my dreams, because when you're using drugs you have some really crazy dreams um, going to treatment. So it took, um, there was a couple of poems that I wrote when I went to treatment in 2015, so those are in there. Just the the process. I have um, I have bipolar disorder, so I have a little bit of creativity. That's how I release my my feelings. I don't like talking about my feelings and how I'm, you know, how how are you feeling? I don't I don't like to do that. So that's how I release some is in poetry. I can just get it out as fast as possible. It took probably a two years total, and then to Published the book. It took another six months to get it published. It was the easiest process that I've that I, that actually happened was publishing the book. I thought it would be so much harder to do.
0: And didn't you do a lot of it through Amazon? I did it through Amazon, the Amazon Kindle Direct
2: Publishing, or Amazon KDP.
0: Yeah, it looks great. The whole book feels great, you know. And then when you start paging through it, you can see all of her crazy stories about stuff I had no idea about you but I learned a lot when I read that book. If you want a look at somebody's dirty laundry, that's this book. You get in there and you explain it and you make it in poetry form. And you know so I get on Amazon to look the book up, Embrace Your Recovery, The Cycles of Addiction and Mental Health, and I look at it on Amazon and I read the reviews. All five-star reviews, every single one of them. Now, I don't remember how many there were. I didn't think it was like a ton. But to have every single one say, wow, this is really a good read. So that's pretty cool. And now tell us about another book. What's that all about? I hear rumors.
2: Yes. I wrote another book called Embrace the Ride. And it's essays, short essays and um, poetry of the cycles of addiction and mental health. It is actually just more poetry of my mental health and um, addiction it actually has more mental health poetry at this time than it does addiction
0: don't you want to become like a therapist is that what your goal is or
2: yes my my end goal is to become a psychologist or be a criminal justice policy advisor which is
0: helping people
2: in um who are been sexually assaulted domestic violence or sex trafficking so
0: yeah good for you i mean my son is studying right now uh, to get his master's and he's going to be a psychotherapist. And I'm thinking for this family guide, we could get a group rate. Right? <laughs> yeah,
1: Can we start reserving spots now? You're and nice. I need to carve out some time.
0: Yeah. I see a therapist every week, Thursdays at four 15. Don't bug me. I'm talking to Linda. Sometimes she said, I have so much fun working with you as a client. I should pay you. And I'm like saying, you don't get that for most therapists. But we have a solid relationship and she tells me uh, a lot of things that i may not like to hear about myself uh, but a lot of uh, positive reinforcement and that's what i need and that was what you know during an addictive cycle that's what you thought was going to be your energy pack or your battery you'd use the alcohol and the drugs because you thought that's what fueled you and that's what you became and that's who you were. And it was you from start to finish. And indeed it was exactly the opposite, but until you learn to put the brakes on, it's kind of hard to do that. And how many people, I don't know what the current statistics are, have relapses. When I was in uh, treatment, they told me that it was 92% of people that have, uh, you know, addictive issues that go to a treatment center 92% Ninety-two percent relapse, and I believe it.
2: When I went to treatment this last time, I am one out of two people that actually stayed sober out of eighty of them.
0: That was like our class. I'll never forget my first day. I go to rehab. Uh, this was <laughs> after my you know drunken you know binge in uh, Colorado. I go walking in, and there's nobody there. I, I sign a couple of papers with some people up front, and they say, you can wait in the cafeteria. They say, great. So I go in there and I open the fridge and they've got like 5,000 ice cream sandwiches. Right. And what I didn't realize was because of all these alcoholics that was losing all their carbs by stopping drinking immediately, they would allow you to eat these ice cream sandwiches to kind of fill in the blanks until, you know, some people actually had to be put in, in rooms for DTs and things like that. So I'm in there and <laughs> with my, my ice cream sandwich addiction, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, this thing is fully loaded. I could be here for weeks, right? <laughs> and in walks this good-looking blonde girl. And uh, how you doing? And I said, I'm fine. She says, uh, are you new here? I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, first date. She goes, what's your problem? And I said, well, my wife thinks I drink too much. <laughs> it had nothing to do with me, right? No. And uh, <laughs> And I said, why are you here? And she took her pinky and she put it in the left side of her nose and poked it out the right side of her nose. Right. She'd blown all the cartilage in her nose because she snorted so much crap. Oh, my God. And that was within the first 10 minutes of treatment. It went downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another story from treatment. This one was crazy. So they would take us in a bus, a big yellow school bus, like 30 of us from the hospital so we get in our bus and we go to a ymca nearby and we'd exercise because that's part of you know sobriety is trying to get healthy right to be healthier as we go to this Y today is uh war ball day or what was known as dodgeball. as we're running uh, across the court i take a volleyball and i throw it and it happens to be my roommate running down the court As he's stepping down in full stride of a run, the ball goes underneath his foot. He falls and fractures his femur. Oh, no. Bone out of the skin, the whole deal. Oh, God.
1: Oh, compound fracture? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. it was
0: horrible. Okay. They get an ambulance. He's begging for pain meds. Yeah. Wouldn't you if you were an addict?
2: Oh, hell yeah.
0: But because they didn't give him any, Mm -hmm. he sued and he won. Really, I think there was a lot of the people in the class were thinking, God, if I can get that kind of a pain med, I, I'd like to break <laughs> something right now. Yeah, all
1: this funny, yeah, exactly. was a rash of people just throwing themselves down the steps trying to get some meds. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, and, and at that point in time, when I was in treatment, it was one of the very first year that AIDS was known and they didn't know how to handle AIDS. We had a lot of needle people in the treatment center. So they were like burning bed sheets and stuff like that, because they didn't know what if AIDS was infectious. They didn't know anything. They just knew people were getting really sick, and they were addicted, and they needed help. So they we, they were in treatment. It's just that they were sick. That was back in the days if you got pulled over and you were drunk, cops would say, ah, yeah, go on home. How far is it? Right. I'll follow you.
2: <laughs>
0: Not anymore. Well, and,
1: and they can't, because if they do that, and then the person – because people – were allowed to continue to drive, and then they killed people, and that you know the law enforcement let them go, so he kind of can't do that anymore.
0: Another AA story: guy driving his car, yeah, drunk, hits something, doesn't know what it is, drives home, puts the car to garage. Next morning, gets up, turns the TV on. News says man hit by car, oh, and killed. Oh, oh no. And so this guy goes out. He sees a dent in his car. He he thinks, okay, this is my bottom. And so he drives to the police station. And he says, I want to admit that I hit that man. And they're like, why do you say that? And he said, well, obviously, I, I hit something last night when I was drinking. And I tried to drive home. And there's a dent in my car. And I know I did it. And they said, no, there's another guy that hit him. So. They've, they've already proved it was another person so this guy's bottom was admitting he killed somebody that he really didn't abby did you ever have any uh, arrests from the police
2: i didn't i had a lot of dirty cops that pulled me over i had yeah. a, a one time i was in burnsville and i had um a bunch of bags of weed in my car and i also had some uh a little bit of dope with me i had my grinder my bowls with me and i got pulled over and for no reason for no reason whatsoever probably because i there was a black man sitting in my in my in my passenger seat and it was at like 11 o'clock at night get pulled over by two squad cars so there's six there's six police officers one guy searches my car finds all my babies and he says i should be taking you to jail tonight and i'm like well then just go ahead like like do it then yeah I went in my car took everything else took my 200 and no 322 that was in my wallet and said consider this your get out of jail free card and then they let us go wow wow yeah i'm still yeah. kind of salty about that hey yeah.
1: <laughs> i want my stuff back man yeah <laughs> legal search and seizure buddy
0: i was a problem i had a felony drug arrest at age 19. that was bad uh, followed by a series of DUIs, lost my license. Ooh, there was a theft of services in there too, which I got Ooh. caught for stealing cable TV.
1: You should tell Abby the story. He loves this story, Abby. You should tell Abby the story about how you reported on your own criminal activity on the air.
0: Oh, yeah. Favorite radio story ever. Small town in Nebraska, one radio station, one newspaper. Newspaper prints on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Radio station boss says there's never a day that we should be second in getting people the news because they only print three times a week. So if there's a story, we're on it. We want to be first and we want people to come to the radio station for their news, not the newspaper. And so there was a a guy named radio Russ Caber. By now he's probably 140 years old, but back then he was only 90. He was our newsman. (laughs) Radio Russ, right? So Radio Russ would go down to the police department and he'd look through the list of the charges filed each day. And uh, also while he was there, you could see the stuff that went on at the courthouse as well. He would then go back on a what's called a royal typewriter. These were classic, like, you know, first typewriters that really anybody ever used. And he would type these stories up on these, you know, three by five sheets of paper or whatever, and he'd put them in the news basket. So uh, when you got there and it was time for the news, you would get the news basket. You take the stories and you read them one by one. After I had my uh, uh, arrest uh, for uh, I sell a guy a joint, he turns me in, and eventually uh, there was some lawyers and this and that. Uh, eventually, I had to go to court. Well, on the radio, Radio Rust found the news about my arrest. I get into the news basket and there's the story that says, and Larry Thompson was arrested for possession of a controlled substance with intent to deliver. This is Larry Thompson reporting. (laughs) 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 Right.
1: It's so funny.
0: (laughs) So here comes the Cadillac up the driveway. It's the boss. He owns the place. I'm fired immediately. Six months later, he hires me back and says, You can never use your name on my station ever again. Uh So then I'd get into the news basket where the stories were. I'd read them one by one at the end. I'd say, and that's the news I'm reporting. (laughs) So what do you listen to? What kind of music, Abby, do you like?
2: I am more hip hop.
0: Well, Tiffany Norton knows all about it. Working at a hip hop station for how many years?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know all about There's a lot to know about hip hop. You can't, oh, yeah. that's just like saying I know everything about rock and roll. I mean, it's like so deep, but that was that was my rebellion as a young child growing up in uh, Woodbury with my very Catholic parents. I would have to hide my tapes inside of other tapes. You know what <laughs> I mean? So they wouldn't oh, know yeah. what, it, what it was. I'd put it in different covers than that. But yeah. yeah, I got grounded because my dad went out of town. He said I could use the car, which is fine, but I forgot to take my two short, tape out of the the, the 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 player and my old man gets in the car and go to work and and it was very vulgar and he was like very upset with me more he was he wasn't as even as upset that I was listening to it as he was that it was possibly in the presence of my younger brother.
0: I'll tell you a hip hop story I used to work at KS 104 I ended up at KS95 but earlier in my career I was at K S one Oh four K Q K S Denver. And I did the morning show with a guy named Dean Kerfman, Uh, moon and Dean in the morning, two fat white guys that don't give a damn. That mm-hmm. was our slogan. So uh, we're interviewing ice T. Oh, cool. Right. We're interviewing ice tea is a big interview. Okay. It's yeah. a big deal. I start feeling awful. So I go into the bathroom during the interview with hot mics. I leave the studio. I go to the bathroom I go to the urinal and I am peeing something that's black. My urine Ugh. is black. It was bile. Ugh. I had a gallstone that had lodged in between my liver and my gallbladder. And I was one sick man. I drove oh, man. home and I immediately had surgery. Right? During the middle of an iced tea interview. My other favorite interview was MC Hammer. You can't touch this. Yep. So MC Hammer is coming to town. We're giving away Tickets and front row uh, with a limo ride with MC Hammer to the show. That'd be
2: cool.
0: Okay, that's a big prize. Uh, We have a contest. It's the You Can't Touch This contest. They have to make our producer, Artie the One Man Party, touch something that he doesn't want to touch. They were bringing in used condoms, (sighs) dead animals, roadkill. Second place uh, was a five-gallon pail of phlegm from a, okay. like a lung ward. Oh, right? No. The, the winner was a, a woman from Louisiana brought her afterbirth, put it on a bed of noodles and called it placenta primavera. That was the winner.
2: Oh,
1: what are we doing? How are we giving <laughs> these tickets away? In certain cultures, apparently it's something that you're supposed to consume.
0: Anybody watching anything fun? Anybody got something they can help me watch? Because I've been watching Vikings now. Yeah. Oh, my God. From the History Channel, it is so good. It's really good. But there's 90 episodes.
1: Yeah. 90. There's a lot of eye candy, of eye candy in that show, too.
0: I told PJ, I said, you got to watch this. And I think she's going to start.
2: I'm watching Manifest. I just got over watching the 4400, which is pretty good which is similar to manifest. Oh gosh. I, Lucifer. Lucifer was great. Mm-hmm.
1: That show. I saw a couple, I saw a, most of the first season of it, but then I kind of fell off of it for some reason.
2: Oh, he's, he is fun to look at. Yeah.
1: I just started watching something and it's so stupid moon. I was thinking about you the whole time. It was like, yeah. this is so up your alley. Cause moon doesn't like, moon doesn't like horror or scary movies or any of that kind of stuff. He likes, he likes funny. Um, but it's called, it's a, it's a much in the style of like spinal tap. It's a mockumentary and it's called American vandal instead of like American scandal or like whatever. Right. The, the documentarian is this kid for his high school. And what happens is someday when they were having like, all the teachers were just doing an administrative day and there were no classes. And somehow at like two o'clock, someone drew 27 penises on 27 teachers cars (laughs) (laughs) and they're trying to and the kid who's like everybody thinks it is the documentarian thinks it may not be him so he's doing all this deep dive investigative journalism about the
0: dicks
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's so stupid and um but it's really it's really it's really pretty funny and I'm surprised every time I, I I watch it so it's making fun of all those like making a murderer and all that kind of stuff he just keeps digging trying to see and the and the kid who is accused of drawing the dicks is really vapid and kind of dumb. And, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. So American Vandal.
0: Well, and like I say, I mean, I still have 60 episodes of Vikings left. Yeah. They have 90 episodes in, on one series. 90. Yeah. I had, I had a guy, a friend of mine, that binged it in like 10 days. And I did not know at that that's time. Just nine here.
1: hours a day—that's not even. That's not even really binging.
0: He that's- told me. He said, "I haven't seen the sun in a week." Yeah. And I'm like, going, yeah, you got to turn it off." And I'm really waiting for uh, Yellowstone to come back.
2: Oh uh, yes.
0: Ozarks coming back. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, as we get closer to, you know, fall. Hey, I'll tell you what's coming back—that I'm jazz, football. Yeah. Uh.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Three weeks in college football starts and I'm a goner. You I think I'm gonna cancel the podcast.
2: No, right? you're not. We do it on
1: Wednesday. What are you talking uh, about?
0: You know, oh, should we tell them who the next guest is? Sure. I put on Facebook who wants to be on the podcast. And so I put together a list, and then I think okay, a couple of weeks out, I'll give them a, a holler and see if they're free. Because a lot of times if you ask too early, somebody might you know have something planned or change of plans, uh, or whatever. But we got this guy next week. His name is Dom, like Dominic Testa. If you look up Dom Testa on Google, you'll see where he works. Uh, he works on a radio station in Denver, and he's been there for a long time. He's very successful. He's a, he's got a million stories. This guy, and we want to find out more about the books he writes because he writes different kinds of books, including children's books. Mm. And the other day he told a story, I think it was actually on Facebook. He said, I pulled into a parking lot in front of a store. And I, uh, before I went in, I noticed a woman was reading a book sitting in her car. And it, it made me wonder what book would that be that she's reading in like a target parking lot. So he waves out and rolls down his window and he goes, I hate to be like a creeper, but you know, you have a, a book you're reading. I love to read. What book is it? And so she shared the name of the book. He had already read it. And then the woman looked at him and said, you know something? This is how books uh, are shared by word of mouth. And if you stop and think about it, how many people have said to you, have you ever read this or would you like to read that? Mm -hmm. And we would like to suggest embrace your recovery, the cycles of addiction and mental health, Tell us where you can get the book.
2: You can get the book um, on amazon.com. If you look up books by a Colseff, um, you'll pop up and that's K U L S E T H.
0: Thank you for being on episode 19 and for putting up with all the weird.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, and Hobbs, what you got cooking, anything uh, coming up? I
1: do. And I think you should come to this one, Mooner, cause it would be fun. I will be at Keg and Case Market in St. Paul. Uh, that's going to be August 22nd. It's a Sunday and uh, early show, 7 o'clock. Keg and Case, Pay Gap Comedy. It's going to be outside. It's free. Come and support local businesses. It should be a good time.
0: It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. Why do you always listen? I guess we'll never know. A fat guy in a wheelchair, what the f*** does he know? It's time to end the podcast. It's time to get some likes. Go to your computer, type it in, you're going to win. We are out of lyrics in Boopie, Jug, and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. It. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey,
2: boo. Boo.
0: Let's put this show out of its misery i <laughs>